Hello and welcome to Conversations with Ipswich School, the podcast where we invite current and former students to talk about an area of common interest. We find out how hobbies become passions and develop into careers, and we ask how school helps to shape their futures. Today, we're talking to modern art curator turned social entrepreneur, Rebecca May Marston. Rebecca had a high-flying career in art galleries across London and New York, and two years ago, co-founded social enterprise Dora Brown. Rebecca will be interviewed by six former Izzy, who shares a passion for the arts and creative industries. So hello and welcome to Conversations with Ipswich School. Today we're going to talk all about social enterprise. We're joined by former pupil Rebecca, who is the co-founder and director of a social enterprise, Dora Brown, which transforms homes free of charge for families in need in Suffolk. Welcome, Rebecca. Hi. Hello. (laughs) Hello. And today I'm handing over to Izzy in the sixth form at Ipswich School. Hi, Izzy. What are you studying for A-level? So for A-level, I'm studying DT, art textiles and geography. Wow. And I'm very pleased that you're both interested in art because uh, Rebecca's got this very illustrious career in art and art history and curating. So I'm hoping we're going to touch on that as as well as Dora Brown. Izzy, is it too early to be thinking about next steps in year 12? Well, I'm not entirely sure of what I want to do, but definitely something creative, nothing sitting behind a computer, like typing away all day, definitely creative, but I'm not really sure what yet. Loads of time, Mm -hmm. loads of time. I'm going to hand over to you now. Have fun, you two. Thank you. Okay, so Rebecca, could you tell us a little bit about your social enterprise, Dora Brown? Yes, Izzy, I can. Okay, Dora Brown. Dora, so Dora's a fledgling for starters. We're very young. Uh, we've only we've only got a year under our belts, really. And what we do, let's start at the beginning. Social workers refer families to us, and these families have for a plethora of reasons, got themselves into an awful, awful state in their homes. So there's a lot of furniture poverty, hygiene poverty. They don't have working white goods. They don't have enough beds. Kids are sleeping on sofas. Kids are even sleeping on armchairs. Um, parents too. Um, not a single home we've been referred has had a dining table and chairs, which is significant, you know, it really is. And there's certainly not enough clothes, toys or books. So these homes are in a real state. They're also really, really smelly. And there's so much black mold and yeah, it's a pickle. So what we do, we're this huge, um, huge team of volunteers and we're all sturdy girls. We're kind of, yeah, we're like a land girl army or something like this. And we go in, um, first of all, we do really serious clearance. It's like those makeover shows that you see on telly, stuff like that. And then we do deep cleaning. And then what we also do is provide. So we collect pristine condition, um, secondhand furniture of all our supporters in Ipswich and the area. And we give our families the furniture that they need. We give them the bedding that they need. But we don't just do the necessities, you know. And we certainly give them working washing machines because no one can keep on top of their laundry if they haven't even got a washing machine and a clothes era. So we do all that boring stuff 
boring but necessary. But then we also do the nice bits. So we give them cushions and throws and fairy lights and lamps and artworks, you know, fruit bowls, candles, stuff that really makes a home a home. Because we genuinely believe, and we know this to be true, especially, you know, collectively, socially, we know it's true after lockdown, don't we? That your home is the center of your well-being. And if your home's in a terrible state, then your well-being and your mental health is going to be in a pretty bad way as well. So we are turning it round for families in Ipswich and the local area. That's what we do. That's that's really that's amazing. Thanks. So what did you do after leaving school? Oh, God, what did I do? First of all, I took a gap year because at the end of the 90s, everyone took a gap year. We collectively all flew off to Australia. So I did that. It was great. Whatever. Then I I actually went to dance school. Um, I wanted to be a dancer like my mom, um, which was nice because all I needed to get in was two E's. So that took off the pressure of my A-levels, which I'm sorry, because that's a cruel thing to say to you, isn't it? But And I didn't get two E's, by the way. I still work my socks off. <laughs> um, but I went to dance school. I got a year under my belt and then decided that dance was not for me. And I wanted to go back into academia. So I went to Bristol University and I did a history of art degree, which I loved. And I went straight from there to Royal College of Art and did um, a master's in curating contemporary art. Mm. so yeah, I mean, a very creative career path or, you know, certainly from my studies, it was creative all the way, but but a little rambling, wasn't entirely sure what I wanted to do. And actually in my interview for my um, MA, I remember they asked me what I thought of the uh, the hang at Tate Modern and I completely fluffed it. I was like, oh yeah, chronological, blah, blah, blah. And it wasn't, I'd never been, it was thematically hung, which was this massive thing in the early noughties. It was amazing that a major institution was hanging thematically, but I fluffed it. I got in anyway, whatever. (laughs) Um, So that's, yeah, that's what I did. And after that, I worked in really great, cool galleries in London, stuff Mm. like that. Wow. Okay. Um, so what did you get in- involved with at school? So I was just in the art studio mm-hmm. all the time. We had um, all my friends were studying our A-level as well. And we had the old gym hall. That's where we were allowed up there. Mm-hmm. So whenever I could, whenever they wouldn't miss me in the library, I was in the art studio <laughs> having an amazing time. Yeah. Could you tell us a little bit more about your previous roles in curating? Oh, yeah, I can. Okay. Well, first of all, straight out of um, straight out of my master's, I was offered two jobs and one was a properly paid job for a really incredible dance company called Michael Clark Company as their manager. And it was it was an amazing job. And I turned it down to work for 50 quid a day at some startup gallery just off Regent Street, which was a mad, mad, mad decision. But I always, always based my career decisions on my gut instinct rather than, uh, which I think is the best way to do it, if we're being honest. (laughs) 
So um, I worked as a gallery manager and then I did a curatorial fellowship in New York for um, this incredible woman, Rosalie Goldberg. Um, she set up the Performer Biennial, a performance art biennial. So I was out there for six months living in a warehouse in Brooklyn, which is all very exciting and hedonistic and wow. amazing. And then I came back, had to get a temporary job. And I'll tell you where that was. That was at the sewage factory in Ipswich, doing the admin there, to like totally gross. That was a career low light, although I pretend it's a highlight, whatever. And then I, I, I actually, I met my husband in New York and we opened this, uh, well, future husband, I should say. We opened this project space together for a year and out of that grew my gallery, which I had for a decade. Uh, it was called Limoncello randomly i think when i was trying to come up with a name we were sat outside pizza express okay. drinking limoncello and it stuck and whatever although it was annoying because everybody used to buy me bottles of limoncello mm. as a gift and the stuff is really <laughs> gross so if you're ever going to name a business after an alcohol just call it vodka or tequila <laughs> something nice basically Sorry, I shouldn't be saying that to sick formers though, should I? It's not the best career advice, sorry. So I had this, it was actually a commercial gallery, so I sold art. But it was a young gallery representing young artists. It was really curatorially focused. We made so many anti-commercial decisions because it was the right thing to do and it was fun and... I went to I went to big serious art fairs all over the world and that was fun in itself but we did we did low key projects as well and we did things like we made artist editions that we sold for 50 quid so that everybody could buy one not just art collectors buying big pieces for thousands yeah. that kind of stuff and it was yeah it was a great decade I really <laughs> really loved that job it was it was chic and fun and I had two of my children during that time as well and I managed to keep working with them. They flew all over the world with me when I was still breastfeeding them. <laughs> and then I left them at home with my husband and my mom, and I still carried on working, which I actually think is really important. Yeah, yeah. How have your studies in art history and curating helped you throughout your roles? Oh, God. Okay, well, I mean... One, Bristol University is amazing. I had great lecturers there. And actually, the thing that they gave me, honestly, was um, a really good grounding in how to write well. Because I was at school, not Ipswich School, I was actually at Amberfield in the 80s. And in the 80s, nobody taught you grammar. You taught, literally, you learned grammar in one lesson. Mm -hmm. And I had chickenpox that lesson. So I did not know how oh. to write until I was like 19 years old. Yeah. So that's what my BA gave me. But, you know, as well, really, I mean, the point of university is the life experience, mm -hmm. isn't it? So I went and got a job at the Arnolfini Gallery. And I was, uh, which is the big sort of contemporary art space in Bristol. And I was sat there every Saturday and Sunday reading books. I think I went my way through Harry Potter and whatnot. Mm -hmm. But you just, when you actually get out into the world and start working and when you make your own decisions and go your own way and, and work these things out, sort of outside of your academic trajectory or whatever, that's when you start to get, get the real grounding for where you're going in life, yeah. I think. Yeah. What gave you the idea for Dora Brown? 
So um, my best mate and I were sat down having a coffee and she was telling me about when she volunteered for Homestart and she was working with women who had postnatal depression because she'd suffered with it herself and she really wanted to help women in that situation. But she said, you know, she was there to talk and all she wanted to do was get up and start sorting their homes out because she knew it was going to make it, it better for them if it was easier and stuff. So that was the very first conversation with a cup of coffee and a brownie we were eating. And it snowballed from there into what it is now. Is it hard to set something like that up? Yeah, I'm not going <laughs> to lie. You have to work really, really, really hard to do anything self-employed. Mm. Self-employment is hard work, but it comes with so many benefits, especially as a mother. If you want to be there for your kids, but you want to work as well, then, yeah, you know, it's, but yeah, it's really hard. It's really hard to direct your own business. I mean, I like it because I like having my fingers in all the pies and I like spreading myself mm -hmm. thin and there's the marketing, there's the finance, you know, there's, there's the HR, it's everything. It's all encompassing and it becomes part of you but that's sort of what gives you your value as well or what gives me my value yeah. in my career yeah. um but yeah it's hard it's really mm. hard work but that's what makes it satisfying right yeah yeah what have you learned along the way what have I learned along the way oh god what's the most useful thing I've learned along the way I'm gonna go with what am I gonna go with is that some really hard <laughs> question is he okay no, I know what it is. It's our uh, instinct. I said that one before, but I really, really believe it. I think that instinct is everything. Usually your first idea, the first thing you land on is the right one. You certainly, when you're recruiting staff for your business, instinct is everything. It's true. It's the first three seconds that you meet someone in an interview, you know. Yeah. Um, and that doesn't mean that you need, you don't need this thorough underpinning in everything you do at work. And you do need it, but but instinct is so important and people always push you to articulate why 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 sometimes it just comes from within you and it's the right thing yeah. and I don't think that that should be undervalued at all yeah is that okay yeah that was really good <laughs> thank you that's really good I'm going to jump in there um, um before I ask my final question I'm going to ask about the instinct question Rebecca do you think your your instinct gets better with experience do you think you th do you think it's something that you over time you you get more attuned to what you like in people or don't like in people? Yeah, I I mean it is a good question, Saskia. I think that you sorry, it's Mrs. Jordan, isn't it? <laughs> it's I'm Saskia sorry. <laughs> so I mean I don't think that your instincts get better with time, but you certainly become more confident in them. You become more confident in saying, well, yeah, this is how it's going to be because you know X Y Z, and and that's harder when you're younger. But that's why you need people to remind you of that, isn't it? Like, yeah. If you want to do those A levels, you want to do those mm -hmm. A levels. So go for it. And if you want to do that degree, you want to do that degree, you know, and it's just, yes, uh, all the reasoning and the second guessing, sometimes it just bogs you down. Yeah. So you're saying you should choose your A-levels by what you really, really want, what makes you feel passionate about the subject, not, not don't superimpose some kind of thing. Well, actually, these jobs are really well paid or this is a sensible degree. Is that what you're saying? 
Yeah, I mean, absolutely. You do have to listen to your parents too, obviously. <laughs> but yeah, you go with what you love, what you're good at, what comes naturally to mm. you. You just go for it and enjoy it because the more you enjoy your work, the longer you keep going. And keeping going, plugging away, that's how you rise in your career, isn't it? That's how you enjoy your career and all those kinds of things, by going with what what you love. Yeah. It's fascinating. The last interview we did as well was with Joe, who absolutely loves his job like you do. Yeah. It's it's just so refreshing to hear this. It's lovely. I'm going to ask you a serious question before I ask the last question. So we talked about uh, you, you mentioned about interviews and you, someone comes in the room and you kind of you get you get a kind of sense check immediately of what sort of person. So for our sixth formers listening, what would be your top tip for making a good impression in the first three seconds? OK, so one Go in with confidence. Confidence is everything. But the most important thing is wanting the job because anyone with any sense, they'll just sniff it out if you don't want it. If you don't want that place at university, they'll sniff it out and then you won't get it. If you don't want that job, people will sniff it out and you will not get it. You have to really want it. And from being on the other side of the table and having interviewed for staff so many times, the, the first question I always ask anyone is why do you want to work for my company why do you want to come to my university you know whatever just have that question ready to go because if you've got that in your mind you already want it you're already hungry for what the thing is that's brilliant advice thank you um right i am going to get on to our final question thank you this has been really really interesting both of you let's 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 switch this around i'm going to ask you first izzy what advice would you both give to your younger selves so i think along the lines of what you were saying rebecca is do what you want to. I feel like I thought too much about in case I wanted to change my mind in the future of like a career, then I need to think of that now and do something that can potentially like help with that and do what I really, really want to do and hopefully get okay grades. And then in the future, if I then want to do something else, then I can think about that then and not necessarily right now that's great so basically you're completely endorsing what Rebecca says mm. that you should you should study something especially at a level that you really yeah. really really feel strongly yeah. about Rebecca you've given us so much advice already what advice would you give to your younger self oh that is a tough one I don't I mean I wouldn't want to revisit my younger self I'm much happier now. <laughs> <laughs> um although I did love school to be fair I think that what, what the thing that I say a lot to my children is how important it is to to do your research. But and what I mean by that is not reading loads of books. It's about looking at the world. You have to look at the world and you have to think and you have to ask good questions and you have to listen, think some more and then articulate it. But, but people don't don't stop to look enough. Looking and thinking is really, really important. That's lovely. Looking and thinking. Thank you. Um, it's been really interesting uh, listening to you both. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you, Rebecca. No, thank you. It was really nice to meet you both. Nice to meet you, Izzy. <laughs> nice to meet you too. Thank you very much. That's all for this episode. And I hope that you enjoyed listening to Izzy quiz Rebecca about how enterprises actually get off the ground. This was a really fun interview to listen in on. I'm always fascinated by how much our former students genuinely love their jobs. Thank you for listening. To listen to any of the other episodes, take a look at our website, ipswich.school.
Bye for now.